It's Fangraphs Audio. I'm Carson Sestouli. I'm joined now, as I am every week, by the curator of our excellent Q&A series, David Lorla. David Lorla, who is not uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where he normally is, or at Fenway Park, where he is some other times, but instead in the Upper Middle West. David Lorla, are you in the Upper Middle West? Carson, I am in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, right downtown for the National Saber Convention, and anybody listening to this who's near Minneapolis and can get here between now and um, the end of day Sunday, please do. You don't have to be a Saber member to attend, and the program is nothing short of, of fantastic. As we speak, um, I'm taking time out uh, to talk to Carson in the middle of the official scorers panel. Uh, official scorers from the Twins and the Washington Nationals are here talking about everything that goes into official scoring, and it's illuminating, to say the least. Uh, that sounds exciting. Now, uh, besides that, do you have any other breaking news footage uh, from the front lines of Sabre 2012? I don't have any breaking news yet, but um, I'm sure it's coming. There are, you know, announcements here and there and just just great uh, presentations. And, uh, and some baseball nerds, too. Of course, it should be noted um, that the the sort of demographic you find at the Sabre conferences um, – for the uninitiated, is not it's not sort of just a, a numbers geek squad. In fact, it's it's not that much at all. Well, there are about 500 guests here registered, and um, there are hundreds of of baseball nerds and geeks. If you're talking just statistical analysis, but the number of baseball historians that are here is just incredible. Uh, last night, I was sitting in the lounge having drinks with several people from across the country, some whom I had met before, some whom I hadn't, and the depth of knowledge in these conversations was absolutely staggering. I think I know a lot about baseball history. I had people telling me, saying, really? Wow. Yeah. So this is, this is the Sabre conventions um, are absolute heaven for, for baseball geeks. Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, you mentioned that, that lounge. That's a lounge uh, in which I might see you this evening because uh, shortly after this conversation, um, I too will be headed up to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Which is which is a great thing. We have a few other Fangraphs people here. Wendy Thurm is here. Um, who else is here? Maybe, I didn't know this. Maybe Jack Jackie Moore. Here. Jackie Moore. Jack Moore is here. Yeah, yes, the um, Jackie Moore. I need to get ahead, get a hold of Jack. But um, we should probably start talking very briefly about what's coming up here on Fangraphs Audio. Well, let's do it. Let's start. I think perhaps the first one. Uh, we'll present, although it's, of course it's up to you, You're the, uh, you are the curator of this really as well, um, is uh, Atlanta Braves manager Freddie Gonzalez? Yes, um, I sat down with uh, Freddie at Fenway, and the whole approach was his coaching staff. Who is on the staff, why do they have their job, and exactly what are their responsibilities? It's easy to think, well, you know, pitching coach, bullpen coach, we know what they do, but do we really know what they do? Do they know, do we know what the interactions they have on a regular basis with Freddie and the decision making? Not so much. So we went across, we went through, talked about all the coaches, and then I spent a few minutes very impromptu with, uh, Andrelton Simmons. Uh, I didn't plan to talk to Andrelton, but as I was wrapping up with Freddie, just chatting for a bit, um, he walked by, and I thought I saw talk to uh, you know the hot new shortstop of the Braves. So I walked up to him in the dugout uh, before batting practice. Had really no idea what to talk to 
Andrelton Simmons about. So I just winged five minutes with uh, maybe not on my game questions, but I think listeners will get a pretty good idea of uh, how Andrelton thinks about the game. Well, we certainly know that he's uh, multilingual and that he loves beaches. We do. Uh, uh, every I've spoken to a lot of players from Carousel over the years, from Andrew Joneses to the J.J. Jurgens, and uh, they all love beaches, and they're all bilingual, and they're all pretty darn good at the game of baseball. Currently. Yeah, they are. All right. Uh, well, you, uh, Dave Lorla, are good at getting us uh, interviews of note, of some note, and uh, we're about to, to hear two more of them in What Follows. In What Follows are David Lorla's interviews with Atlanta Braves manager Freddie Gonzalez and Atlanta Braves hot young new shortstop Andrelton Simmons. My guest is Freddie Gonzalez, manager of the Atlanta Braves. Freddie, coaches, I think, are underappreciated by a lot of baseball fans. I'm sure you love your coaching staff, so let's talk about some of these guys. Let's start with uh, your bench coach. Uh, the bench coach is Carlos Tosca. He is a, a good friend of mine. He's been in baseball a very long As a matter of fact, he was my first uh, manager in professional baseball when I came out of high school in 1982. Uh, and he's, got, he's been coaching and managing in the professional ranks for a lot of years. As a matter of fact, he ended up managing the Toronto Blue Jays for about two and a half years. Uh, and he had a very, very good record there. Um, he is my assistant. Uh, he thinks like I think. We talk about situations all the time. He also is involved. Of uh, he's in he's in charge of the defense. He puts the the, the defense together and and um, he sits with Roger McDowell just before every series and talks the way we're, how we're going to pitch people so we can play them the right way. And with Carlos, is his job to say yes, sir, when you come up with an idea, or is he going to come back and say no? I'm not sure if that's the right move. That was the number one. My number one uh, priority with Carlos is don't give, don't be a yes man. If you feel like it, it's it's a different situation, I want to hear about it. Uh, I think that's just I, I think that's the only way it has to work. Um, you know, I can get anybody coming dug out and be a yes man. I, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll come up to him and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. You know, what do you think about this? He goes, yeah, I like that. Or he goes, no, let's not do that now. You know, um, let's do a different situation, or maybe let's pinch run this guy instead of this guy. Um, Sometimes we come in the morning or in the afternoon for a game, and we'll talk over the lineup that we're going to run out there ourselves. You know, you think this is, you know, putting this guy here right now is good, and uh, but yeah, absolutely not. I, I, I think it doesn't work if you have a yes man as your bench coach. You mentioned Roger McDowell. There was a long-time pitching coach here for many, many years. Um, Roger is not Leo Mazzoni. What type of pitching coach is Roger? Roger McDowell is is a hell of a pitching coach. He is well-rounded pitching coach. He knows his uh, his his mechanics. He knows how to break down opposing hitters. He is uh, very good with the mental game with the pitchers. Uh, very lucky to have him. Uh, as you could, you know, since he's been here as a pitching coach, I think he's now he's going on his fifth year, sixth year here as a pitching coach. The Atlanta Braves pitching staff has been in the top five almost every year except one, uh, and the ERA and that kind of stuff. And he also has to develop young young pitchers. That uh, He's done a terrific job with um, Tommy Hansen and, and, and Jurgens. And, and, you know, and, and this year he's gonna, he's trying, we try to develop guys like Delgado and Minor and, and then Julio Tehran and, and, and Brian, Brandon Beachy, who just went under the knife to, to, for a Tommy John surgery. 
One of the biggest jobs that a manager has is deciding when to pull his starter and who to use out of the bullpen. What role does Roger play in-game with you on that? A major role. I always ask. You know, he works with those guys. You know, he knows he knows their mechanics, and, and when a guy gets tired, you know, the, the first thing to go is the mechanics breaks down a little bit. Uh, so I ask him a lot of a, a lot of input on on uh, the you know the how that starter's feeling. You know, one more hitter, can we go one more inning with him? Um, he has a lot of input in that. Eddie Perez is the bullpen coach, and I think a lot of fans don't realize he does more than answer the phone out there. <laughs> more than that, absolutely. Him and Roger comes in. They come in the first day of the series, and they'll get here at eleven o'clock for a seven o'clock game. And they'll sit together and watch films and go over the opposing hitters. And, and uh, they, together they, they, they form a, a game plan on how to attack, uh, you know, the, the, the opposing hitters, the Boston Red Sox, for example. And, and, um, and Eddie's like an assistant pitching coach. Eddie is with him for uh, every, uh, every bullpen session for the starters. He's down there in the bullpen when the relievers warm up. And, yeah, it's more, it's, it's more in-depth than just picking up the phone and saying, hey, Johnny, you're, you're, you're up. Uh, your hitting coach is Greg Walker. What hitting philosophies and approaches did he bring with him? You know what he. You know what he does. I think he's got a, a variety of philosophies. He's not stuck to one, to just one philosophy or one or one theory. He could uh, he could talk to multiple of guys uh, on, on their philosophies. And you know, one thing he likes is you know a, a competitive at bats is what he calls it. Attack the attack the strike zone, and 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 you know go after it. Uh, but uh, he is. Uh, He's one of those guys that I really enjoyed having him uh, because uh, he could talk mechanics to all different hitters. And sometimes hitting coaches are, are locked into one philosophy or one mechanic, and, and they can't really help a, a broad range of, of, of uh, players. I, and I think, you know, uh, Greg has come back from a background of Walt Reniak and Charlie Lau, and, and, and he's played for a lot of good hitting coaches, and he's been able to get different different uh, philosophies for different people and, and he'll he'll mold or fit his philosophy to his, to a certain certain hitter does his role is his role at all similar to uh, a pitching coach telling you that so and so is throwing well or maybe should come out of the game will he tell you that so and so is a good person to pinch hit for he's been really swinging the bat well he leaves that up to me he leaves that up to me but of course I would be uh, I would be remiss not to use him as a as a um, fo uh, a, a form of information, you know. Uh, so, uh, but you know, he'll leave up that to me about pinch hitting and lineup. Uh, I asked him one time in, in, in early on spring or early on this this year, and I said, "Hey, what do you think about you know using this guy?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah." He goes, "I like him. He's getting ready to get hot." Well, that guy went 0 for four with three punch outs, and he, the next day he goes, "Hey." I'm out of the I'm out of the suggestion business. <laughs> Once again, I'm talking with uh, Freddie Gonzalez. We're talking about your coaching staff. We have a few more guys to cover real quickly. Scott Fletcher plays two roles on your ball club. He does. He helps. He helps uh, uh, Greg out with the hitters, and he also probably spends more of the time uh, advanced scouting. We you know we have a technology uh, of using the video and using all information that we get from all all over the world. All, all, all over the web, uh, including your, your sites, and, and, and looking for numbers and tendencies and that kind of stuff. And so he helps us with that, and it's uh, it's great. It's there's there's uh, there's more and more teams going into that type of dual hitting coaches, and the reason is you know usually you got 12 to 13 hitters, 
uh, and the pitchers have been doing it for so long. They've got you know 12 or 13 pitchers, and usually your pitching coach and your bullpen coach are usually two pitching guys that can help out. And and why not use the same theory to the hitters? So we got two hitting coaches. They get they get along great, which is the number one thing. They have to stay, they say the same thing, and now they can divide their attentions because hitters nowadays are really really needy. They like to they, they they swing the bat a lot. They want information. They want films. They want everything. And and I think that having two guys that get along and work well together has been has been very very advantageous. Brian Snicker, what is his role with the Atlanta Braves? Brian Snicker is our third base coach, and he may be the best third base coach in the National League. And maybe I, I, I would, if he's not the best, he may be the top three in the in, in all of baseball. Uh, He'll come in and you talk about different roles and different responsibilities. And him being the third base coach, he sets the outfield for us uh, during the course of the game. And he's talking to Roger closely. How are we going to pitch this guy? What do you want to play him? And also he'll come in, and, 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 you know, the, the, the first day of the series, and, and and he'll look at the the outfielder's arms from the opposing team. And, you know, uh, rates him who we can run on, who we can't run on. So when we go to our advanced scout meeting, he tells the players, hey. Uh, this guy's not running, he's not throwing real well. Let's try to get the extra base on. So he does more than just wave guys around he third does, base? Yeah, he does more than waves, waves uh, guys around third base. And also, you know, some people think that the third base coach is always scratching himself or something, you know, but those are signs. But yeah, we're um, overall real, real, got a real good overall uh, coaching staff. I'm really pleased with Terry it. Pendleton, we haven't covered Terry yet. Uh, Terry is our infield coach. He was a longtime hitting coach here, uh, and, and I'm real fortunate that he stayed behind. And he's our first first base coach, and he'll takes he takes care of the the guys who have the good moves at first. He also takes care of the ground balls. He's our infield guys, our infield guy, and and uh, and I'm really really fortunate to have him. I think in the near future, if Terry wants it in the right situation, I think we'll see Terry managing the ball club. So Terry's the first base coach. Is it his fault that Michael Bourne slid head first into first base twice last night? <laughs> no, it's not his fault. You can't, uh, you know, as much as we talk about that kind of stuff, you know, the players sometimes, uh, you know, that's the, that's what they do. You Instinct know? takes Instinct over. Instinct takes over, and there's nothing you can do about it. And for me, I thought it was a heads-up play by Michael Bourne, and and aggressive. He wanted, to, you know. Sometimes you can't take the, 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 the competitiveness and the aggressiveness away from the young players, from young players or, or guys that just want to compete and beat you. And, and Michael Bourne is one of those individuals. Okay, and one final question for Freddie Gonzalez. We should probably briefly address the manager of the Atlanta Braves. Tell me something about yourself. He's the weakest link in the whole coaching staff. <laughs> so that's all I got for you. <laughs> Freddie, that, that's, a gr- that's fantastic. Thank you much for your time. Thank you. My guest is Andrel, Andrelton Simmons, uh, shortstop for the Atlanta Braves. You are from Curacao, so I'm going to guess that you speak at least three or four languages. Yes, I speak I speak four. Um, a little bit of French too, but not. I don't remember much. That's one of the. I ask because it's one of the interesting things I find about Curacao when I speak to people from there. Is they're so multilingual. What else makes Curacao unique? I mean, it's just it's nice weather, nice the beaches. I mean, it's just it's just a nice place. You you go there for a week or so, you, you get to see a lot of stuff. You get to do a lot of a lot of 
though, like, there, there's a lot of stuff you can do at the beaches. That's that's my that's what I like the most. You can go there and have a great time with family and friends. What about the quality of baseball there? I mean, everybody everybody back home just plays baseball. That's pretty much what we do. You either play soccer and baseball. And I mean, growing up, you, I was a Braves fan, and mo most of people back home are Braves fan or New York or Boston. Um, but I always watch baseball, and it's just you try to be like the big league guys. And you had an opportunity to play international baseball, I'm certain, with travel teams? Yeah, yeah, I played uh, on a couple of national teams, uh, traveled a bit, been to Puerto Rico, been to St. Croix, been to uh, Venezuela, been a couple of places with baseball. And were you mostly a pitcher at that at that time? No, mostly, mostly shortstop, but always, always a, a pitcher too, like both ways. I was always in the game though, somehow. I mean, even if I started started a game and I had to go out, I'll go to short. So I always, I was always in the game. You've been asked about pitching a lot, I'm certain, as you've come out through the minors. Is it true that you could throw 98 miles an hour? <laughs> I want to say yes. Yeah, I saw, I saw 98 couple times maybe on the big screen radar gun and if you were to go out on the mound now uh, how, how hard could you throw because the motion is a little bit different it's not you're not pitching on the shortstop position uh, I wouldn't know we got I guess we got to see maybe if we uh, go to extra innings and we run out of pitchers they they'll let me let me throw a couple innings and why did you want to play shortstop I know it's a dumb question is it just the being on the field every day Pretty much. I mean, I'm. I always. I was always on the. I'm always on the field trying to help the team win. So I'm like being on the mound and resting next day or stuff like that. I never experienced it, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to do that. I love playing short. I love making plays. I love helping team my team out with the bat, however I can to win games. So that's the biggest thing, being out there. Once again, I'm here with uh, Andrelton Simmons. A few more quick questions. You're known for your defense at this point in your career. Do you see yourself as having a specific defensive style? Um, I wouldn't say a style. Maybe I'm not as smooth. I don't know. I, I can't judge myself defensively. I just try to, I just try to get the ball, go get it, and get it where I have to get, um, get the ball, just catch it and throw it. That's all I think about, Get go get it and make the play. We're speaking in Fenway Park. At the game last night, you made a great play behind second base, a diving play, and you scrambled up, and you did not throw the ball. Is that something that you may have done a few years ago? I mean, uh, I mean sometimes I, I, I make that play. I mean, grass was kind of wet, so I didn't get a chance. I, I, I made that play before. Um, yeah, the grass was kind of wet. I couldn't, couldn't stop, couldn't plant my feet, so Droya uh, got lucky on that one. <laughs> but the decision to not to throw, that to me showed me that you're a smart baseball player, that you didn't try to force a play that yeah. probably wasn't there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I'm still learning because I, I am an aggressive shortstop. I'll, I always try to, try to force the issue, but fortunately I, I knew I didn't have a chance no more, and I'm learning when not to force the issue when there's no chance. 
Okay, and what about on the offensive side? Are you learning more patience, or are you still a little too aggressive, a hitter? Um, I'm aggressive in my zone. I'll try to stay that as long as it works for me. If, if it's a pitch early in the count I'm looking for, I'm going to swing. If it's a pitch, a hanging pitch, I feel like I can hit, I'm going to swing. I'm not going to give away strikes unless it's a, the situation requires. Okay, and one final question. As I mentioned, we're in Fenway Park. You were just at Yankee Stadium. You've, you're traveling some pretty impressive, important baseball venues early in your career. Uh, dumb question again, but what does it feel like? It's pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's a great experience just playing, like, everywhere at once, like all the big stadiums at once, right right off the bat. It's pretty cool. But the biggest thing is just playing against the players that uh, you always look up to on the big, like, big teams, like Derek Jeter, or playing next to Chipper Jones. That's pretty cool. Uh, still, it's still, like, surreal. I don't, like, I... I forget or I feel like kind of awkward playing next to Chipper sometimes uh, but it's pretty cool though you, experience. you still feel like the young guy on the team I mean I, I, I know I'm a young guy I know I'm a rookie but I mean when I'm on the field I'm just trying to do the job I'm not thinking oh I'm a rookie I gotta do my job like a rookie I just gotta do the job Andrelton Simmons uh, thank you very much for your time no problem a pleasure